when it got to the fourth ending, I stood up and just went, for fuck's will you end and walked out? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'd had enough of Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the um, podcast. I am, as you may or may not know by now, a part of the co-hosting team and my name's Matt. We are the Empod and we're available at all your favourite listening locations. Let's say if you're on one of those listening locations, you think I want more. Well, that's quite simple. You can go to YouTube where we have the Empod one shots. We also have an Instagram account, which is the end underscore pod. And that's exactly the same on Twitter as well, where we do, you know, like upload art and not art, art like with other people's decent art. Although I'll take a lot of credit for putting it together, if you don't mind. <laughs> we also write reviews on Twitter. The listeners with the sharp hearing may have heard me say part of the regular hosting team. So you might be questioning if you're here for the first time. Well, who else is there? Tim, how are you doing? Oh my god, dude, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Oh, listeners, we're talking about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just got a little bit like a little bit jingly jangly from you know uh, across my shoulders just, down to my pelvis. <laughs> just saying the title excites me. And if that wasn't enough, we have an extra special member of the extended end part family. Brian, how are you? Yo, 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 it's the man with the plan who can and often does. It's Boogie Down Brown. You can call it Brian. Come what you want. I'm here because I care. Let's get into it. Lovely. If the film wasn't enough to send you into rapture, then maybe that was. Has anybody got anything they want to report? What you've been up to? Uh, well, you know, that good. <laughs> been watching basketball and it's kind of sucked, but other than that, not bad. Otherwise, pretty exciting. Yeah, I put that from my um conscious. Basically, Tim's got me to adopt the Boston Celtics, and I've gotten to adopt Leicester City. So, in the last <laughs> uh, uh... in the last in the last week, we've suffered a relegation and a humiliating defeat in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> it was yeah, kind of a tough possible. week, tough sports. Uh, fucking horrific, mate. <laughs> horrific. Wait, wait, has Leicester been relegated? Yep. No. Don't try and be funny, Brian. Don't I swear, funny. I didn't it's know. Funny, I didn't know. Yeah, well, I'm not on it like that. It's just preposterous. Mm. It just, we had this, uh, it's not a sports podcast. I, I don't <laughs> need any more. It's not, I fucking hear. It <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> what, are we, what are we talking about today? We are talking about <laughs> Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And of course, it was released in 2023, which we are currently sitting in. Now, it is an animated film, The Voice Cast includes spectacular, amazing web of performances <laughs> from <laughs> Jamik Moore, Hayley Steinfeld as Spider-Man, Oscar Isaac as Spider-Man 2099, Jake Johnson is Spider-Man, Issy Ray is Jessica Drew, Adam Sandberg as Scarlet Spider, 
Daniel Kaluuya, Hobby Brown, Jason Schwartzman, Spot. So Brian Tyree, Jesus Christ, I'm going through this. It's a surprise. Mahashala Ali, no fucking way. This is bottom. You didn't know, bruv. Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid from The Boys with Peter Parker. This is just despicable. Mm. And the thing, but this is how good a voice acting performance it was. I had no idea that half these people were doing it. Like they were just, like it's, it feels like organically characterized. Without me going into too much detail before my excitement gets the better of me, mm. I would like to know very general thoughts, Tim. Did you enjoy the experience? A plus, no notes. I love this film. I love everything about this movie. It had immense characterization. It had extremely creative plotting. And the animation is like the pinnacle of filmed animation. Absolutely tremendous. Everybody talked in the first one about how the animation was kind of jarring. Mm. And I got that from the first one, not in a bad way, but it seemed less so to me this time. I don't know if I was used to it or if there'd been some advance. I'll, I'll tell you something about that when I come around. You know, okay. And I thought the voice acting was amazing. I don't know, dude. Seriously, I've, I can't think of anything I don't like about it. I was even so excited that at the end, I was like, oh, shit. I get two and a half more hours of this story. Completely sign off on everything you said. It is a perfect film. It's perfect. The videos that I've been watching, there's already, is this going to win Best Oscar? And it's quite funny. The only other person I've ever heard say your words, Tim, Dan Casey on Nerdist, he said that animation is the medium, not the genre. Mm -hmm. It is as capable as anything else. Like you've said that about comics. I was like, oh, this Dan Casey must know what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) If he's agreeing with Tim. What it does most adroitly is the difficulty of the middle film in a trilogy. The first one establishes the world. The second has to undermine provided norm. And then the third one obviously finishes it off. What you've got to do is keep the story churning on. You're not competing with the first one. You're not replicating the first film, but just making it bigger. Take Mm -hmm. note, Fast and Furious franchise. I always said Two Towers for Lord of the Rings. It's not a 10 out of 10 film, but it is a 10 out of 10 middle film. The first Mm -hmm. one and the last one are better films, but that is a perfectly executed middle film. So it's still Mm -hmm. for me 10 out of 10 because it is the most difficult one. When we, um, I think when we spoke to, I know it was Dennis Hopeless, who was in the research, when they know they have a a five issue run, they've got something called middle issue syndrome, where Mm -hmm. what they do more often than not is they'll just do a side quest. Right. They know the setup, they know the escalation, the hero has to lose a bit and then he has to win. But that middle issue, it's quite well known in the writing community as being middle issue syndromes. It seems like it's a very literary problem. But this, I can't, with the first film, I remember loving it, but I don't feel like I need to watch it again. Even before this, before this film, should I give it a rewatch? I kind of know what it does. Like, I don't feel like I'm going to get anything else from it now, but fucking hell. This makes me feel like after I finish Guardians, I just want to know how quickly I can watch it again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is every discipline. It's not just what your expectations were. It's like when George W. Bush got criticised because he said, there's things we know we know, there's things we know we don't know, and there's things we don't know we don't know. Which was actually, I thought, quite astute because he's saying there's threats that we know we have to find and there's shit going on that we don't have any clue about yet. Yeah. And he got pilloried for it. I mean, he was a bit of a dum-dum the way he spoke, but it's weird, isn't it, how when they're in office, they sound like that. But when you hear them, it's kind of like how Ian Duncan Smith was just a drip when he was the leader of the opposition. 
But then when he came back as the backbencher, he was, he was fucking switched on completely. Unbelievable. Anyway, the point being, this film showed me things, did things that I didn't even know were possible. I didn't even know I wanted. I didn't even know that I could want. <laughs> yeah, by the way, um, I just had a very big shiver. <laughs> I think that's my cue to slide in there. Just to, yeah. <laughs> the things Sony with the first one, you didn't know were possible. So they'd set a benchmark, set a precedent. How can they do it? all of that, but different? HTF. The fuck did they do that? How? Eyes darting around the screen. Mm -hmm. And okay, let's take the spectacle aside. You can just park that. What a cohesive story. What a coherent story. Everything from point to point flows. I can't really pick on any holes. I think the biggest criticism I've heard and that I would say, but I appreciate it, was that the beginning was a bit slow, but it wasn't slow. It was just the story. Building the story essentially from, which I thought was really clever, from Gwen's perspective. And in the end, in fact, it loops, finishes D1 in. Come on, let's have it. Mm -hmm. I was watching, Matt, you recently uploaded to YouTube the one shots, our discussion of Batman and Robin, which is a movie. Uh, yeah, I was you know, watching I that. <laughs> and um, one of my main criticisms of that movie is that it seems to be like a parody of the comic book. I found it to be like mocking the comic book form. <clears throat> this one has nothing but love for the comic book form. Yes, like no, it's in complete dialogue like the whole idea of the the web of canons i was just like oh my god yes give yeah. it to me <laughs> it has deep reverence for the form it just shows you what those two forms can do together with the reverence for the source material it's not from the outside pointing in and laughing it's from the inside going oh can't we be silly and yeah. it always feels like we're in on the joke it's kind of a little bit like how Bodies, 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 it was about Gen Z and it allowed you be, to be a part of that. And it allowed to, yeah. like, we were in on the joke, we weren't looking from the outside in. The Big Bang Theory sort of ticked all the boxes, but it was very much, they were the subjects of the joke for people in our world. That was for everybody else going, ah, yeah. look at them, look at them with their nerdy ways and their social awkwardness and all that kind of shit. Genuinely felt like a big piss take most of the time with some heartfelt men. Probably why I didn't get in on Big Bang Theory. And every clip I see, it is done in that third person perspective of we are looking at you and pointing a finger. You've hit the nail on the head. Whereas this gives the comic book form and format so much reverence. What's the most unique thing about a comic book? In Italian, they call it fumetti, which is... It means the smoke or the thought. Everyone loves fumetti, from your grandma to the kids. And mm. everyone reads La Ragna Uomo. That's Spider-Man in, in Italian. Or uh, Dylan Dog, that's it. Say Dylan Dog to an Italian person and they'll go, oh, bellissima. The respect they have for comics, it's a part of their culture in as much as it is in, in Japan. It's not a thing. It's not even considered nerdy. It's further west and it's like, oh, you still read comics? Mm -hmm. But what this does, it says, look, here is a callback to a character that you would not have probably known. And it's legit. Yes, it's for the fans, but it makes sense and given so much reverence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, ex mm -hmm. exactly that. And there's this frantic pace of jokes, but it never feels 
exhaustive and there's sort of like endless detailed characters in the way that mm. if the camera clamps onto any one of them, you feel that mm -hmm. it's a completely different story. It's probably the first comic movie to really nail the multiverse, the scope of it, the endless possibilities of it. Everything always, all the time, all the shoes, all the gloves, all the boots did it as well. <laughs> they did a very good job of the endless possibility. Of Loki was good, but it was very almost reductive. The way it specifically related to Spider-Man and the way that it used, well, not Nexus events, because they were the ones that took everything off kilter, but sort of antithesis to that, that they have canon events that every Spider-Man had to go through. When they created this web over the multiverse, all these Spider-Men had something in common and that connects them via their spider sense as well and what sort of provides the spider sense. Mm -hmm. When you look at Council of Kangs, they're all in almost opposition to each other trying to do something. When you look at Loki and Sylvie, they weren't working as a team. They were quite manipulative and clandestine. Whereas the Spider-Men, obviously there's conflict in the film, which we'll probably get to, but it's so fitting that it worked with Spider-Man. What we essentially had here was one of the, not the best comic book films, not one of the best multiversal films. This is just coming of age film that is set mm. to the background of the multiverse. What it doesn't do is use the multiverse as a plot vehicle. It's not the MacGuffin. Yeah. That is the setting. Hey, look, No Way Home was pretty darn good. Even that was a very localized problem. You didn't get the scope and the expansiveness of the multiverse. And also mm -hmm. it did leave you with questions like, well, if that happened, then why not this? And if mm -hmm. that, why not then? Or why didn't they mm -hmm. just? This was both a very specific story to young people finding themselves with responsibility and yes. the responsibility of, is my needs bigger than the communal need? and it's also managed with that to have the most expansive and the most almost hopelessly endless backdrop of the multiverse. Yeah. It's done both things and it's completely, it's almost achieved the impossible. And with Peter Parker or Spider-Man, he is the everyman archetype. And the uniqueness of Miles Morales being uh, biracial, Hispanic and Afro-Caribbean, I suppose, brings it down to another level. You can take the superhero aspect out of it and look back at that trying period of your life when you're like, I cannot tell my parents that I'm doing this. What would they think of me? Everyone walks that line. And that's the eternality of Spider-Man. It takes all of those things and then it adds, let's put some superhero shit on top of that. All of the conundrums that come with that. Are you a vigilante? Why are you not obeying the law? It can still go very dark. We don't know. Can he save himself? Can he save? I mean, like, taking on... Apparently, there's 280 different Spider-Men in this. Wow. And, yeah, and he, yeah, and he outsmarts them. This storyline has been used in... For Sylvie in uh, Loki... What's it? The one at the end of the road or whatever he's called. <laughs> the, um, the end of time 
Um, Kang. Oh, oh the, 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 oh. the one above all, is it? Something yeah, like something that. like that. The one fucking beyond the, the fucking. Stupid. Get one name. Get one name and I'll remember it. <laughs> the last one. Yeah. <laughs> That'll do. The last uh, one. So they basically see him as the person that has created this quite tragic disposal of multiversal worlds and all the living creatures on it. So they're acting on the myopic problem as opposed to, well, actually, he's the guy that's preventing this full-scale war. So in the instance, they're the guy that's doing bad things, but is he necessarily a bad guy? And same thing in Ant-Man, Quantumania, where Kang the Conqueror is repressing the other Kangs, and without him, the Council of Kangs can then push forward. So again, there's the myopic killing the person that's doing bad things, but is he a bad guy? Taking it back mm. another step, we have Star-Lord, who stops them defeating... Thanos because of what he did with Gamora and mm -hmm. in every one of those instances it's a selfish act on one person's desire to exact revenge what this does unbelievably well is it plays Miles Morales as not making a selfish choice but an optimistic one that we are not bound by our tragedy. Our tragedy isn't the only thing that has agency over us. And he says, I can still take possession of my identity despite my tragedy, not because of it. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Co-signed. So true. So I'm just basking in the glory of it. <laughs> <laughs> donut. Ah, speaking of donuts. Go. Um, yeah. Have you seen, did you cook all the references to donuts within it? So Is that a Lord and Miller thing? It's harkening back to everything, Meat everywhere, balls. all at once, right? Okay, um, okay, okay, okay. With yeah, with yeah. with a bagel, and the bagel is the center of of all. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. even had a poster in there when Gwen was buying on spot. There was a a poster over the building. It was a play on everything, everywhere, all at once. It was all things, all the time, and it had a donut <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> Apparently, the shape, the shape of the universe is supposed to be... I was about to say a, this. Yeah, a donut. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't seen anyone make reference to the science of it. Everyone's talking about, okay, there's this bagel and the bot and the circles. Yeah, but that's the theory, is the universe is shaped like a donut. Well, the reason for that is, if the universe doesn't have any edges, if we were to reach the theoretical edge of the universe what happens then the theory is that if the universe is not uh, finite and is in actual fact infinite that what you would have to do if the universe is um, a piece of paper and it's two-dimensional with a third dimension coming in and out of the paper that if you were to not have an edge of the universe then you would have to fold both of the sides round to make it a cylinder but then, of course, mm. you also have the two edges at each of the endpoints of that cylinder. So then you have mm -hmm. to bend those around to make the donut shape. And that is the only way within our perceptions of two and three dimensional mm. shapes to make an infinite universe within our understanding. And that is why the universe is a donut shape. Ain't it good having me on board? Mike, drop once again. You heard it here first on the end, motherfuckers. You ain't catch that nowhere else. God damn it. That's so funny. Not Tim, I want you to say yes. I want you to say yes. It's great having you on the podcast. Big yes. Yeah. Right. So, oh, God. I love the character design of all the Spider-Mans, too. Like, they look so great and so distinctive. 
Mm. When they're at, you know, like the lobby of, and there's like a million different Spider-Mans mulling around. They, if you just zoom in on any given one of them, they're all so distinct and so interesting. I love the, the Mumbai scenes. Oh, that was phenomenal. Yeah. Awesome. Oh my God. I loved all those. He was such a good Spider-Man as well. Oh, so I know. good. I love yeah. it. Every time he spoke, I was like, this guy. This guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah He's only been in for six months. He's on top form. I'm like, yo, yo, this guy is the G. If you talk about the cinematography, because I know I'm going to forget it, is the point that Tim made with the first one. He said it was a bit jarring, janky. It was an animation style for Miles Morales. When he first became, when he was first bitten, he was moving at 12 FPS until he does the jump off the building and he finds himself. Then he moves Mm -hmm. into 24 FPS. Uh, So if you watch it again now with that knowledge, Mm -hmm. you'll see the frames per minute. And then now if you compare that with what they did with Hobie Brown, how they made everything about him, like the Sex Pistols album cover with cut out, newspaper clippings yeah um, the guitar was always roughly cut out on his back and he wasn't moving at you know 24 fps it was like he was a yeah. almost like a yeah. cardboard cutout yeah totally when the 1960s spider-man comes swinging through with his one frame of animation <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 that was just i think one of the only criticisms that i've seen is is its length I had no clues to how long this film was, like no. two hours, two hours 20, no. right? The the first act seemed like a very, very long act, a very long act. Like, yeah. not that it was too long. I was like, surely, is this moving slowly or are we like 90 yeah. minutes in? I was yeah. like, I feel mm. like this is 90 minutes in and we've not even seen any of the 2099 base stuff. And then in my mind, the penny dropped. Oh, they put this final set piece in the trailer. Not a problem, but now yeah. I'm waiting to arrive at that point. For me... The only part of it where I was, come on, get a move on. The film felt like the ending was a couple of minutes away for the entirety of the last 20. Now, I was fortunate mm. enough to know that there were no post and mid credit scenes. How it felt to me was we had mid and post credit scenes, but they were just tagged on to the end. Like how Return of the King was. Okay, we've got ending number two. Okay, we've got ending number three. Here we go, ending number four. (laughs) And I'm not saying that those scenes weren't great. The amount of films I've watched in this genre specifically, it was giving me keys, both plot-wise and emotionally, to say to me, okay, the film's going to end now. I tell you the worst exponent of this was Mr. Stranger Things, David Harbour. David Harbour's Hellboy. I had enough of that film. When it got to the fourth ending, I stood up and just went, for fuck's sake, will you end and walks out? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'd had enough. I was like, will you just fucking end the film and walks out? <laughs> but you know what you say under your breath, but you do it so everyone else can hear you. Like, I'm being courteous, but I do <laughs> want you to know I'm being courteous. <laughs> for fuck's sake, will you just end it? <laughs> but again, this wasn't out of frustration. It was because I felt the, the film had set me up to expect the ending to be at that point. That's my little thing mm-hmm. the other things that i've i've heard online researching the episode and listening to other opinions were the family drama in the first act as brian said was a little bit too long i don't think so i think that was a perfect setting for the stakes the film was gwen centric and that really you could have trimmed gwen down but again i feel that that's emotional stakes this is the only one that i could possibly get on board with a little bit jessica drew while 
a decent character. And I don't think that she added anything to to the latter stages or the midpoint of the film. And I think that could have quite easily have been cut out to trim a bit of time out. However, I'm not saying I would do. I'm only saying that's the one thing that I could probably get on board with that I've read. Yeah, sure. I mean, I didn't have... In fact, I texted Matt before the title card, basically. The whole Gwen sequence, one of the best opening sequences I've ever seen. I actually loved it because it did set the emotional stakes, like those canonical stakes, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was awesome. I didn't really have any problem with the length. At the end, I found myself... Usually, I'm very sensitive to long movies. Like, anything over two hours, I'm like, ugh, roll my eyes. This, I was like, holy shit, have I been here for two and a half hours? I was mm. like, I could have sat there through the third Absolutely. Like, film. Yeah, like, yeah. I could have yeah. sat there for another two hours. Didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have sat there through five hours and be like, oh, that was a pretty quick two hours. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, it was done that well. I was in the cinema leaning back and having it at me. And then as it yeah. got to the end, oh, hell yeah. right up on the edge of my seat. What the fuck? And especially with the reveal and oh, man. You know, all of that. Zero, I was like, I was what, like... what, what, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The adrenaline and everything. The expectation was just back mm. up. And this is what it does beautifully. And this harks back to what you were saying, Matt, about showing the possibilities of an actual multiverse. Because my brain started doing arithmetic and algorithms and algebra. Well, oh my gosh, then is he? And then what if? And is he going to? And uh, you know, just all of that because it just sets it up wonderfully. Because you think, okay, it's it's about Spider Man twenty twenty nine. What's going to happen? Is he going to catch him? What about the spot? What about his dad? And then bam none of that what about his uncle who's still alive in this place oh, and mate, himself mate. who should have been the spider-man for that universe it's like yeah. holy shit just ready to go like i need to see what happens i felt what you said matt about the endings because i was i was emotionally ready yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for the ending what it does is clever because when it did end Everyone in the cinema went, whoa, like, yeah. yes, we're in, like, what the fuck, yeah, let's go, it's only a year to the next one, like, yeah, I don't think I've ever felt like that at the end of a film, like, you know, you just think, oh, oh, e. I mean, Deadpool, and at the end, and he's got Cable in the next one, you're excited, but there's still that frisson of, will they get it right, will it be Cable mm. with a big gun, what will they do, uh, who else are they going to, you know, all that kind of stuff. With this, I've I've got none of that. It's just 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 hit me, just yeah. hit me with it. I don't care. Let's go. That Earth forty two stuff. I was just like, oh my god. I felt like standing up and yelling. Are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. Has anyone read the Ultimate Spider Man? Yeah, I've read yeah. read. Oh, I don't think god. there's a reference point in this whole series that I haven't read. And I was like, shit, I've read that. I think they're going to get a point to these films where I'm like, oh, no, I didn't read that X-Men. <laughs> I'm definitely I'm that I didn't get the omnibuses now. Uh, yeah, I, I read all just, of the Spider-Verse oh, shit, Spider-Geddon shit, Superior Spider-Man, obviously in the 90s with Ben Riley, the Clone Saga. That was um, brilliant, though. Yeah, yeah, that, that, so oh, my well-defined musculature. Yeah. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, so, like, over the top. Yeah, let's get into the characters now, because, like, it's so 
in a nutshell, and this is like what we were saying, it's us as comic fans looking at the 90s and going, why are they all like so muscular? Why are they all so deep and thoughtful all the time? And it's, yeah. kind of, it's just fucking perfect portrayal of that era. I mean, uh, even when you first see him, you go into the spider lobby and everyone's doing stuff and he's gone the wall like, oh, look at my life. Oh, I'm a clone. <laughs> this whole thing. How good was Spot as well as a villain? Oh, dude. Oh yeah. my, like he believed in the beginning, you thought he was just going to be like a silly played for jokes, but it kind yeah. of had that Batman Joker relationship. Like, oh, I'm going to make you take me seriously. Like yeah. in the same way that Lego Batman was a brilliant film that sort of played yeah. the two off against each other. Was it like codependencies? I know that that isn't quite how this goes, but to give, said like the villain of the week or whatever, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm going to yeah. prove you wrong. Yeah. And then the whole way that he accidentally kicks himself into himself <laughs> and then he finds out how powerful he could be. Yeah. Just brilliant. And the way that they used his powers when he was exploring the universes, is it Mrs. Chen? Mrs. Yeah. Chen. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, and what? And yeah. <laughs> my God, when Donald Glover appeared as Prowler. Oh, my God. Holy yeah. shit. Amazing. And the way that they tied it together with... Um, I've seen clips of, I wish British, I think for the first weekend, I wish British cinemas were a little bit more like this. The only one that's ever been like this with a little bit of whooping and cheering was the final 45 minutes of Endgame. Mm-hmm. But when they showed Andrew Garfield's, yeah, Andrew clip. Garfield with the captain, totally. and yeah. they showed Toby Toby Maguire with Uncle... Oh. Yeah, like people lost their shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guys I next thought... to me were going... They did that when Spider-Punk showed up. They were like, whoa, what the fuck? I was like, yo, these guys are on it. I think Jason Schwartzman deserves a lot of credit because like you're saying, Matt, in the beginning, he is a dopey little Mm. shitty villain and he's kind of funny. Schwartzman's voice acting plays up the Schwartzman shtick from all his films, Yeah, you know? And then at the end, he becomes extremely menacing. It's really, really well done when he becomes practically an entire... Like his entire body is the spot. That was yeah. like intense and kind of scary. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. I yeah. love how when somebody really gets their their teeth and nails into a character, in the same way that we've just read the first, the equivalent of the first absolute for the Swamp Thing saga from Alan Moore. And the first villain he comes across is Floronic Man. And it has the Justice League having a conversation like, this guy was just a fucking two-bit villain. But when you mm-hmm. actually exploit and extrapolate their powers to their fullest potential, that you can make almost any villain a mega level if you just yeah. think about what is it their powers can actually achieve. Not just controlling a plant, but if you get all the plants in the world to pump out oxygen to a thousand percent you immediately make the earth's atmosphere ignitable what if spot became this multi multiversal traveler with the the power to exploit and destroy within that capability so clever yeah 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 you're right i was sitting there thinking how many times have i seen daredevil fuck this guy up to the point where you see him is it manhattan anyway the asian version of manhattan and he goes to the Alchemax there. Just He's not even thinking. He's just disarming them. You can't touch him. Wow. Crazy. I would never have imagined him. What he's becoming. It, it's it just, perfect, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it perfect. Is. There is yeah. no missteps from start to finish for two hours, 20 minutes. Yeah. It is yeah. perfect. Sometimes when you leave a cinema, 
you're like, that was a good film. But rarely, and I felt this way after Guardians, so it's just such mm. a nice feeling to have back to back. You feel like invigorated. You feel vitalized by what you've just seen. You come out expecting the world to be a little bit different. And I know that's hyperbole, <laughs> but like the world now has this in it. Is that iteration better than it was two hours and 20 minutes ago? Yes. <laughs> I've got good recall, so I don't watch them again unless there's a reason or a good long time. But mm. this, I want to see it again. I do. Yeah. And it's so layered. It is what you said at the beginning, Matt. It's not about animation it's about what you can do with the medium you could never replicate this live never yeah. it's not possible avatar the only thing that could come close in terms of scale scope budget let's talk about when gwen is talking to her father and it does that whole david mac watercolor stuff yeah and it's blue yeah. then it's pink and then it's orange and when she hugs him it glows and expands around him yeah. how are you how are you doing that without looking silly in, yeah. in live you can't it's so conscious as well it's not artistry for the sake of artistry yeah it's all very consciously put together these guys did well they were supposed to do they did the first cut of Solo, didn't they? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then they were expelled. But these guys have got the history in animation. They did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And they did the Lego movie as well. And produced Mitchell versus the Machines. That's the um, one. And that was yes. that was a surprise. That's another Sony animation. I was like, really, why really is this good. so good? But yeah, we don't need to farm everything to the next big comic book adaptation. These guys can do A-grade animation till the end of days they yeah. did it and they still tied it into the mcu with the multiversal tree and so there is that if you will multiversal golden thread it's there but it's not codependent there were baubles basically yeah baubles i'd say coming of age film you said mm. it's a familial drama yeah works you can take everything else out and then you put the amazing animation on top. And yeah. then you put the multiverse stuff in. And there then you, you put all the Easter eggs in. There's Donald Glover. Oh, sick. There's Andrew Garfield. Yeah, exactly. And then you mm. move on to get back to the story. Like, yeah. it's not making that the purpose. That isn't the point of the film. And mm. yeah, just just wow. Glad Spider Noir's coming back. Spider Ham's coming back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spider Man with his baby. Who's Mayday got party. Where, yeah, Mayday like she's there, she's part of the crew. I'm like, shut yes. up. This is serious. <laughs> everything he did, the whole chase, everything was with his baby. PA. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone anywhere go, oh, that's not canon in the comics, because actually Miguel O'Hara from 2099, his reason for like no, nah, no one's doing that. How you saw when he almost did a vampire bit when he was just about to bite the Renaissance vulture. The light shone, he stopped what he was about to do. I want to see them explore that. You know, you can pick a character, in, you know, Spider-Punk, who admittedly was a short part in the film, but right. it was so pivotal that his influence carried throughout. Yeah. You know, he did a brilliant play on words. I'm not a role model. I used to be a, a runway model. I hate the AM. I hate the PM. So he says, <laughs> that he, I hate the AM. He smashes the clock and he says, I hate the PM. Obviously, that's Prime Minister in the UK. God, I love this guy. It was everything about it was was just on the money, you know. But yeah, well done, Sony. I mean, how good was Daniel Kaluuya though? I didn't know if it was the right casting because he doesn't come across as punk rock to me at all. He seems like a, a thoroughly nice young man. But 
didn't even notice it was him, which I think you could say is probably the best thing you could say about a voice actor. And he yeah. just pulled it off perfect, like yeah. perfectly. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. sort of that anarchist, as you said, right? Yeah. yeah. The, con- just, the just consistency great. when he just like went, nah, dashed the spider thing and jet. And I was like, he's real. He's a real one. <laughs> he's not just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm spider punk because it sounds nice, but I really want to be a hero. He's like, no, I'm anti everything and I'm anti this bullshit. Peace, I'm out. I think you make a really good point then, the tonal consistency of the characters, because in animated films, there's a propensity to set a character with certain character traits, but mm. then during the course of the film, mellow them out. It's a big, bombastic introduction. But all of these characters had very much tonal consistency all the way through. It's pretty yeah. cool. Mm. I just would like to commend also Haley Steinfeld, whose voice performance I thought was amazing. Um, because she imbues that character with a lot of, you know, sadness, uh, but also hope. I just thought that one of the early things that, Matt, you're saying about one of the potential criticisms was, was that she was maybe too much of a main character. I completely disagree. I thought I they divided, disagree. like, the characterization, like, between those two main characters beautifully and their mm-hmm. interaction. And I thought that she was great in that role. Did it remind you a little bit of Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow? Kind of. Same yeah. sort of motivations. A hidden sadness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just want to finish this off with a silly point. I think we've made it in a previous podcast, but it's one that's worth punctuating. Gwen is taking a big risk dropping a portal into a 15-year-old boy's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> a big fucking risk. Because I'm telling you, as soon as that... I mean, well, let's not get into my life, but let's just say as a young man... As soon as that door was fucking shut, <laughs> my, hand, my fucking hands are going like pistons. And also, oh, he's, he's got that book like shit. Like, chug, chug, you're not, chug, chug. You're not, don't you? You're not before you enter. That's just yeah. like, a, that's a parental yeah. rule. You're not. Give me a second. I'm just getting changed. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you getting changed in the middle of the day? Give me a minute. Give me a minute. I can't help it. Uh, I'm, I'm a naughty, I'm a naughty, dirty little boy. Nah. I, I, I change my clothes three times a day. This is, going back to my day, you got convenience now. You could just, on your phone, I had to quietly fold the papers and the magazines up and <laughs> stuff them away. <laughs> You're like, I'm coming. What's that noise? I'm just reading comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, comics with a U. <laughs> yeah. uh, wow. Uh, mate, daytimes before um were for playing cards or imagination. If you're taking that risk in the middle of the day, then you're then you're playing with fire. <laughs> mate. There's a very real situation whereby you want to keep the door closed so it's private, but you also want to keep it open in inch just so you can hear the footsteps coming up the stairs. And that's that's a that's a very that's a very real decision that every young man had to make. You don't yeah. balance. Yeah. My wife wonders why is my hearing so good? And I'm like, mm, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, right, on that note. I think it goes without saying we tell anybody to go and watch this multiple times. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Out to yeah, the years. Right, let's sign off then, guys. I think we've done a, a fantastic episode. Thank you very much for joining us, Brian. It's always a pleasure to have you on board. Absolute uh, pleasure. If you'd like to say hell goodbye yeah. to the listeners. See you later, guys. Until next time. Keep it trill, keep it real. And hopefully it'll be before Beyond the Spider-Verse.
Well, I'd like to think so. I'd be very disappointed otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye, listeners. Uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. This is a good one. Transformers next, isn't it? I think so. Yep. Supposed to be really, really, really good. Yeah. Some okay. saying it's the best one ever. So let's wrap it up there. I am, of course, Matt. Thank you very much for joining us today. As I said at the beginning of the episode, you can find us on all your listening locations if you found us on YouTube. If you haven't found us on YouTube, then we're on YouTube as the end pod one shots and even if you are listening to us as a podcast there is original content on youtube so let's all become friends on all platforms please because i think our podcast really good we're on twitter and instagram as the end underscore pod and that only leaves me one thing i left to say we have been and this is the end <laughs> <laughs> oh. he nearly oh, forgot his name God. for fuck's sake